Home. They say it's where the heart is. They also say it's wherever you make it. They don't say it's where you unload your stuff, get tired halfway through unpacking, use some boxes as furniture, realize your oven mitt's in a box that doubles as a nightstand, don't want to buy a new nightstand, and use a towel as an oven mitt instead. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on renters and car insurance. Easier than grabbing a piping hot pan with a towel that's a bit too thin and trying to quickly get it to the counter. Ooh, hot, 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 hot. This episode is brought to you by Verizon. Get a Verizon Business Unlimited plan from the network businesses rely on. Hey, Monica, with 5G Ultra Wideband in many more cities, you get up to 10 times the speed at no extra cost. Hello, downloads in no time. Plus, unlimited premium data and hotspot data to keep the signal flowing and your teams going. Come in or book an appointment with a Verizon business expert to find the right plan for your team. 5G Ultra Wideband available in over 1,700 cities with Business Unlimited Pro 2.0 smartphone plan. Speed comparison is to median Verizon 4G LTE speeds. Download speeds may vary depending upon network and coverage conditions and content optimization for 5G Ultra Wideband. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Cannabis stocks, man. Wow. What a pickup. Are you guys just like all of a sudden like, hey, you know what? I feel like buying cannabis today, but you couldn't find it near your house. So you're like, next best thing, I'm going to buy a cannabis stock. That's what I mean. Both. Why not both? First the stock, then the cannabis. You know, for our purposes... Absolutely. Y'all, what is up? It is Thursday, uh, September 9th, 9th, I think. Uh, We're moving quickly, dude. Wow. Uh, We have announcements first. Uh, uh, Javi, do you want to jump into that? What kind of announcements do we have? The boot camp, little boot camp? Conference. That's at the end. Although, we're having a boot camp. September trading boot camp is this Saturday. You can register, and by the way, if you register, you might get $1,000 worth of free Dogecoin. What I do you mean, think? Showing the I'm, Elon I'm down. Hey, so if you saw our crypto event a week ago, week, a week-ish ago, uh, Gianni DiPochi came on and said he thinks Doge could be a dollar by next year. A dollar, or a dollar within a year. One of the two. So by this time next year, he thinks it could hit a dollar. He didn't promise that, but uh, it could be worth attending the boot camp for i'm just saying definitely and i wonder by the way the people in the chat people trading cannabis stocks are you also investing in crypto are you long crypto are you short crypto or not interested in crypto at all (laughs) well one of the names is crypto morning show so i'm assuming they're interested in crypto (laughs) um awesome javi let's jump in man you know I, i do the cannabis daily every morning if you guys don't listen to that please do uh, yep. It's like five minutes of your life. It comes out every day at 10, benzinga.com slash podcasts, uh, or find it on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen. Um, but basically, uh, we're covering the most recent news. Uh, so anything you may have missed overnight, anything that's about to come up on the day, uh, and maybe stock trends, things of that nature. So every day at 10. Um, so with that, some pretty interesting things happened after I finished recording that today, Mm -hmm. of course. So do you want to dive into some of that? Yeah. Well, I mean, staying on the, uh, on the crypto topic, there's a very, very interesting article about the advantages of using Bitcoin in the cannabis sector. You can find the article on Benzinga.com slash cannabis. Find out if, you know, it makes sense and, and then let us know, right? There's a lot of debate around mixing crypto and cannabis. Some say it makes a lot of sense. Others say, you know, it's, it's a little bit too much, right? And I, and I can feel both, right? Uh, the, the cannabis industry is clearly underbanked, uh, you know, clearly has a problem with, with dealing with mm-hmm. cash, 
right? No uh, credit card uh, payments. But is crypto the way is the question, right? You know, and that's the question you're trying to answer and we're all trying to answer is such a, although probably seen as less of a shady market for lack of a better term now than it was a year ago or two years ago, but it was a big no-no when I first started at Benzinga mixing crypto and cannabis, specifically mm-hmm. uh, that cannabis was trying to move away from anything that could be considered under the yeah. table. Well, it's it's like that all the time. Now we see the psychedelics industry emerging. And the only that the last thing they want is to be associated to cannabis. And we're constantly, you know, drawing the power. <laughs> we it's always like, do it. We're I so mean, guilty. It's a similar trajectory, right? You cannot deny it. There's nope. it's you know, you always get that from, from companies too, from many companies. They go like, okay, so we like to describe ourselves this way. And it's like, yeah, but you don't get to decide what others people you know, other people say about you. It doesn't mean that like we think psychedelics are going to be recreational, you know, like next year, you know, like it may have its own trajectory. I mean, they may, I'd be shocked, but it's going to have its own trajectory. But at the same time, there's a lot of similar interest, I think, from you guys as well, you know, uh, which is why we continue to have content on both. That being said, Javi, I want to start off with a cool article that I think you covered, if I'm not mistaken, or your team covered, BDSA touches on their top five cannabis brands. Now, this is through Arizona, California, Colorado, Illinois, Massachusetts, Maryland, Nevada, Oregon, and Pennsylvania. Uh, So guys, this is pretty fun. The top one, a little shock for me, I'm not going to lie, was Cresco. Cresco, awesome company, but I think Cresco, the main thing that comes to mind is the leading wholesaler um, for me. Obviously, they have their own brands. They're a strong company. They're uh, Mm -hmm. overvalued, and I think you want to talk on that a little bit. Um, overweight, sorry, overweight, not overvalued, very different. Uh, I think you want to talk on that a little bit, but Cresco coming in tops, followed by GTI's Rhythm, Stizzy, uh, Select Oil, which is Cureleaf, and Raw Garden out of California. Super right. interesting. Some of the leading MSOs with very strong brands. What do you think? Should we have Stizzy on the show? I know they're not publicly traded. Um, but, Guys, drop but- a one. Or if you want a two, if if you want to keep it to public side, but you know, I think there's a lot of benefit to having this growth side uh, of this industry really, really get in on the conversation. Cause I mean, a lot of these single state operators are just waiting for the right time. And those are going to be some seriously good investment opportunities when they become available. Mm -hmm. That's my thought process. So I say, yes, I'm dropping a one in that chat. I don't know about you, Javi. Yep. And double yep. And triple yep. So let's do it. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm taking about, over, man. What else? Talking about Cresco Labs, that's C-R-L-B-F. You just mentioned top selling brand. And according to one of our favorite analysts, Pablo Swanich out of Candor Fitzgerald, Cresco should trade at a premium to its peers. He recently uh, reiterated a, an overweight rating on Cresco stock, setting a price target of $12.65, right? following especially their, their acquisition of Cultivate for 90 million, right? They're, they're, seeing, um, they're seeing some outperformance there, right? In terms of- mm-hmm. uh, that they, I mean, they killed it. Absolutely killed it the last three to four months specifically, really the last year and plus. But Cresco, I got really nothing mm-hmm. bad to say. I mean, you know, they're, they're expecting or, you know, analysts are, are projecting- Third quarter sales of $223 million to $225 million. That's including, you know, $9 million in sales for September from the Cultivate purchase. Yeah. I think Cresco is very strong. Um, I think there's a case, you know, for them to be made for the leading 
MSO right now. I'm not saying they are. I'm saying there's a case to be made. Uh, I think there's a case to be made for several others as well. So, you know, I think they're right up there in that in that tier one category. Cesar, you have a question for us. Can you comment up-to-date news of TPCO in the California market? Uh, they're really focused on getting visibility on their new CEO uh, is, you know, the first and foremost thing that comes to mind. Troy Datcher, I think a great hire. Uh, spent a lot of time in the CPG space. Uh, and, you know, Jay-Z, uh, I think he is fulfilling his side of the business as the chief visionary officer and the focus on ESG. So that's my thought. Any, Javier, anything you want to comment on TPCO? Um, I mean, up-to-date news on, on on the parent company in the California market. Yeah, they continue to dominate. They, they're continually launching new brands. They recently launched Well by Caliva, um, THC and CB infused lotions. They have the wraps. So, I mean, they're, they're always trying to innovate. They're always trying to, to launch new brands and, and stay on top of, of, of the game. Yeah, And they seem to be doing uh, it very successfully. I, I can confirm they're... Many of their products are really top notch, and, and yeah. you know both in, in in terms of quality and in terms of design and packaging, right? And, and that starts to to matter more and more and more, right? If, if you look at Monogram, which is Jay Z's brand, you know the, the the packaging is is just stunning, right? And and it really adds value to the product that you're buying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean TPCO, Glasshouse Group. Uh, I mean, literally most MSOs are, are probably somewhat have a footprint in California. Um, but I mean, I'm going to be honest, my top of my watch list in California, specifically for that state is Lowell Farms. I love what they've done in that state. I love how they're expanding. Um, they have the, the top market share on, on pre-rolls in that state, if I'm not mistaken, uh, by a vast amount. Um, I think, I think they're killing it personally. I mean, not, not to take anything away from TPCO or Glasshouse or Curly for anybody else that has a footprint there. I just really like what Lil Farms is doing. What did Zach say? Yeah. What else? What else, Javi? What do you got for us? We have uh, an interesting report out of Akerna. That's K-E-R-N. K-E-R-N. Um, Friday ahead of Labor Day weekend grossed $90.1 in marijuana sales. Wow. I mean, Akerna, I feel like they continue to develop their platform, mm -hmm. you know, and this is why I haven't exited my holding with them. So full disclosure, I am invested in Akerna, um, you know, and we, we give no recommendations here, but I just think they go as this industry goes. Same with yeah. like companies uh, in, in the ancillary space period right now, because there mm -hmm. aren't as many as there probably would be in a normal, like regulated market uh, and federally legal market. Um, but I'm, I'm a big fan of Akerna and they continue to develop their platform and stay ahead of really everyone else. Yeah. And what's interesting about this, this data in particular, it seems that that Labor Day is kind of the new 4th of July weekend. Previously, the 4th of July weekend was uh, the second best selling uh, day for cannabis in the US behind, of course, 420. Uh, but now we, we've seen Labor Day take over. Um, and it doesn't make sense in many ways, right? Like 4th of July is more of a spend with family, you know, you know, beer and, and, and fireworks kind of day and labor, you know, Labor Day weekend is just like, okay, I'll just take some time to relax. Like literally the definition of Labor Day. It's like, okay, you bust your, your ass every, every week, every day. This is your one day for you, like your special extra day. Hey, I, I mean, it seems right now, listen, so we talked on, uh, today the the trend that's happening right now. Sales are going up 
for for this market for MSOs. Price, prices are going down for shares, um, but today seemed like a positive, not necessarily correction, but a step in the right direction. Uh, you know, and I think Akerna, even Organogram, uh, which has had a tough going, and Hexo also had a tough going recently. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's been a nice day in the markets. Uh, but overall, man, I, I hope you guys are looking at the cannabis industry seriously for uh, for some bu- dip buying opportunities because they are there right now. Um, speaking of next green wave, we haven't talked about them in a long time. A couple board members or a board member specifically resigned. And now this is the first positive sentiment I'm seeing on them in a while. But I've always kept an eye on them because they have quarter after quarter of positive uh, results. Uh, and they seem to go un- under noticed. Uh, another California operator, legacy uh, CEO, grower. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's just a very interesting company. I just thought I'd call that out because I see they're moving they in a good cool direction brands, today. Right? They, they yeah, have Cookies a- Partnership. Yeah. No Jumper. They have a few very interesting celebrity brands out there. Yeah. Fair so, enough. So what else, today, brother? Well, do we have Jason? Yeah, man. Okay. He's good. just waiting for us. Come okay. on. Today, we have Jason Vygotsky, CEO of Pellfast. Jason, let's bring him on. What up, dude? What's up, guys? Thanks How's for your hanging? patience. Dude, you, you guys had me back there, and I'm like I'm like <laughs> itching to talk brands right now. Like, do not start talking brands without getting me involved in this. Why do you think I mentioned it, man? <laughs> I love that. Um, nice little precursor. For the record, right? Those numbers are so incredibly skewed, right? I always like mm-hmm. to talk about brand building and, and, and getting consumer adoption and, and building communities when you're building brands. And I always like to say, and, and my MSO friends hate when I say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, in California, we're building brands in a knife fight. We're building brands in a, a marketplace that is more indicative of what the future will look like um, and what actual brand building markets look like, right? Food, t- traditional CPG. So a lot of people are always like, oh, California is so competitive. I'm like, no, California is normal, okay? Um, <laughs> you know, you see Cresco, you see GTI, have a lot of respect for those brands um, and those companies for sure and a lot of friends there. But going and building a brand in Pennsylvania, that's not brand building activity. That's getting a license and that is an operational and supply chain type of activity to get product on the shelf. In California, there's plenty of supply. And it's about the the type of brand builders that are going to be able to attract consumers, right? And then keep consumers. So um, I, I, I get all like hot and bothered when people talk to me about brand building in like Pennsylvania. I'm from Philly. Um, my boys are just happy to see weed on the shelf. It could be in a brown paper bag. It could be yeah. in a plastic bag. That's what right? I'm saying. I totally feel you. There's, there's a big difference between commerce, outright commerce and brand building. Same okay. as there is. A, a very clear difference between setting up a store and setting up a company, right? Or a business, like a, a, a business that has potential to expand beyond, you know, just one thriving store. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see Lowell Farms. You guys mentioned Lowell Farms. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I can't wait to see what they do in Massachusetts and Illinois because that's a real brand. Um, that brand has a real ethos. It's connecting with consumers. They've spent a lot of money on their packaging. Um, and Lowell Farms going into Illinois, going into Massachusetts, that has a California following. Like that's a California brand. And uh, I'm interested to see what a Massachusetts consumer, when they have the ability to buy Rhythm, um, to buy Cresco 
or to buy low farms. I have a feeling that low farms, that 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 kind of California dream, that 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 Napa Valley, that association that we get with wine, will that hold over? Now, obviously, we have issues with like obviously the weed is not grown in in California and moved across the state, but still the brand feel and the brand love um, is is there for California brands. And if I'm an MSO, I'm scared of the West Coast operator that comes east because I think that as markets on the East Coast get more competitive, you're going to see California brands like Glasshouse, who I think does a great job, like like Low Farms, who I think does a great job. And we're going to talk about some of our brands shortly. Um, I think that they're going to have a real advantage with consumer adoption because they spend money on consumer adoption, not mm-hmm. just getting brands in their own stores, which, you know, if you can't do that, um, there's a problem. With that said, the MSOs have plenty of other challenges operationally, and they're building the infrastructure for brands to live across the country. But I think California brands are going to be a step up when they start to go across the country. And I'm looking at Lowell Farms mm-hmm. uh, to see how that goes. Let me, now, let putting me you on record that, sorry. No. Before we move on from this topic, right? How do brand and quality correlate, right? Is it important to have great quality product when building a brand because like on the chat some people are saying i don't like lowell um lowell flower mediocre at best i tried it i think it's it's pretty good but you know again like if if for instance you know certain brands are strong but they're not growing great flower do you see them succeeding in the future what's what's the balance there what's more important yeah i i think let, let's just forget about Flour. Let's forget about weed. Let's just talk about consumer packaged goods for a second. If you take a kind bar and you open it, right, and you have a bad experience, you're not coming back. So brand building and, and marketing is all about getting consumer adoption, right? The product itself is going to have to bring the consumer back. So um, quality needs to be there and it needs to be consistent. Um, so whatever brand proposition you're going for, um, you need to, the consumer needs to know what they're getting into, right? And then that that experience needs to delight the consumer. I mean, if we go and get a, uh, I don't know, a Mickey's 40, right? Uh, we're going to know what we're signing up for when we go and get that Mickey's 40. And that's an interesting brand story that I've done a lot of work with. Um, whereas if we're going to go open a bottle of Grey Goose, you're going to know exactly what you're signing up for. And you're going to get delighted every single time you do that. So I think whether it's good flour, mediocre flour, great flour, we better be having consistency and the messaging around that value proposition better be consistent as well. Now, putting you on record, sounds like West Coast flour is just better than East Coast flour. Um, I don't know <laughs> that it's actually just better, uh, but I think it's it's uh, just like Napa Valley wine. Like, is it actually better? I think so, uh, but yeah. there's a lot of marketing there. So uh, yeah, I'm a little bit biased, but I'm from Philly. You know, I like, now- I like, I like the PA flour. Amen, man. Speaking of speaking of marketing, let's dive in for what you do specifically for brands. Uh, can you walk us through it? Sure. Um, I'm, I'm a brand builder, go-to-market strategy, distribution at heart. Um, grew up around the wine and liquor industry um, pretty much my whole life um, in New Jersey. Um, and then was crazy enough and like, you know, a 24-year-old egomaniac who thought I knew how to do everything and, and quickly learned the hard way that I didn't know how to do everything. I started a beef jerky company with a friend of mine and uh, learned the food space the hard way, yeah. um, but had a five-year run there. So I think understanding, and, and why I bring that up, is understanding wine and liquor route to market, understanding food and beverage route to market will allow you to take bits and pieces for cannabis route to market. And um, 
our business model is uh, the same as a company like Acosta Sales and Marketing or Advantage Sales and Marketing, which are multi-billion dollar sales and marketing agencies that represent all the largest food in, in natural food. Um, so that's the business model that we took. And I've been in cannabis for six years and I just saw all the challenges lining up that this business model would solve. And, and luckily, enough, luckily enough for us, um, I think I think we've hit the nail on the head with the business model and just the talent and the team that we've made um, is, is is taking us to the next level. But what do we do? Um, we're an outsourced sales and marketing agency. So in California only. Um, so if you started a brand and we have I, uh, Javier, you look like a, a rosin guy. Right. So if we got hobbies, yeah. we got some hobbies rosin. You know, what are you going to do to get your product into MedMen, into Urban Leaf? into you know cocoa farms into all the big retailers in the state and all the small retailers i'll call them i know <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> you're gonna call them trust me whoever you call is gonna send you down the rabbit hole of like four oh, different yeah. buyers and then by the time you finally get a yes that buyer is already going to be on to his next job and you're gonna have to redo that again um but we have a we have a 14 person sales force um, that's continuing to grow across the country or across the state of California. We have uh, hired the best of the best from all the top brands that we've seen uh, in the space. We have a brand management division, and then we have um, a six-person territory field management team and a 30-person brand ambassador team, because I think what sets us apart is not only do we want to get our brand portfolio into stores, right? But then we need to do the activity to capture consumers and get the product turning in stores. And most of the brands that I meet, they say, my distributor stinks, right? Everybody thinks their distributor stinks. Um, not all distributors stink. It's actually brands that don't know how to activate a distributor. So we help with that challenge, right? And then number two, we start to talk about velocity. Everybody wants to talk about top line revenue, right? I, when I'm looking to pick brands, I want to know who is turning the fastest and how are you outperforming the category, right? And then for us, we're going to look at that and say, wow, this concentrate company, Javi's Rosin is outperforming the Rosin category. I don't care that you're only in eight stores. That's something I can build upon and replicate, replicate over and over again. Um, so we have a portfolio of 12 brands. Um, that 12 brand portfolio represents you know, a, a 30 to $40 million book of business across the state of California um, in our first year. Um, Space Coyote is kind of our flagship story. Um, one of the best stories that in the space. Great brand. That's a good brand there. Like, I mean, a smaller brand that is, but like just spot on. Like just do great quality time after time after time. And when you meet Scott and Libby, like number one, you're going to be like, these are the two most beautiful people I've ever met in my life. I just want to like be around you. Right. And then number two, um, you're going to be like, wow, you're really smart. I mean, uh, Libby was one of the original uh, creative directors at ease. Scott was, he's an MIT grad. He created like some machine that you can, I think it's called NEMA that, um, detects if your food is gluten or not. So when I start talking to these these folks, when I started the company, they were our first brand. I was like, you guys are really, really smart. You're a team of three. You've done this properly. You haven't burned any money, right? I want to partner with you and just take you to the next level. Um, and that's what we look like. I'm not looking for the largest brands. I'm looking for the best, healthiest, and most sophisticated operators in the space. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you something, right? Um, over and over again, you know, uh, from, from, from people in your company and from people outside your company, right? Uh, I've had a conversation about what 
pedal fast is and, and you say we're a marketing agency, but then people tell me, okay, but, but they're more than that, right? You talk about portfolio companies, you have an incubator. So like, what is it exactly? Because it seems like there's more to it and, and it's a disservice calling it a, a, a just marketing agency, yeah. right? And, and really, and this is not like a, a biased question. I am honestly still trying to wrap my head around it on, on, you know, which little box I can put you in, right? You, you know what You know what the cool thing is? Um, you're not going to put us in any box um, because we have totally transformed route to market in cannabis. Um, when you were, before we showed up, you had two choices right? Choice number one, let's self-distribute. So let's go build my own sales team. Let's go build out my own field team and let's distribute our product ourselves. Okay. Uh, for me, that model is not scalable. You're going to be a completely stretched all across, um, you know, a number of different parts of the value chain that you're just going to run out of money. Now, have there been some unicorns that run away and been able to do it? Sure. But 99 out of hundred brands are going to fail with that. Number two would be a full service option. Um, Herbal is a distributor, a full service distributor. Um, they have a sales force. They have distribution. Um, you know, they are a an, an option. Um, they carry Raw Garden, Pacific Zone, some of the largest brands in the space. Um, but Herbal, you know, has has proven to not be for everybody. So um, we built a, kind of a hybrid where. Um, you, we're going back to Hobbies Rosin, right? You're going to be able to tap into our infrastructure, which is a 30 to 40 people representing you in the street. And you're going to be able to do it for the cost of two to three salespeople because I leverage all of our brands, right, to, to provide economies of scale and then pass it along to our brand partners. So um, you mentioned our incubator as well. My biggest learning from year one in in pedal fast um and we had our one year anniversary on september 1st um biggest learning from year one is that not all brands are ready for this not all operators understand cpg not all brands some brands want to fight it um, supply chains are not ready capital is not ready and i'd rather like many of the vcs and many of the investors out there i want to see before i kind of buy so to speak right so before i put you into the mothership i want to see if you can actually play ball and, and do it in a sophisticated way. So our incubator program is a way for small brands to prove themselves. Um, we provide access. We take uh, 50 of the top 100 retailers in California. We have a standing one to two hour meeting and think Shark Tank. Every single month, I'm bringing in four to six brands. They're going to have 20 to 30 minutes, and they're going to get in front of MedMed. They're going to get in front of um, you know, the grocery. They're, they're going to get in front of um, the pharmacy and, and, and these top retailers. And rather than me telling you that you're overpriced or your brand's not going to resonate, you're going to hear it right from the horse's mouth. And then together, we're going to collaborate on how do we either pivot or how do we throw fuel on the fire? Um, so that is the incubator that then folds into our accelerator. Um, and then down the line, you know, from like, where does this go? Um, I'm not quite sure. We're, we're going to continue to to look at the model. It's been very successful. I could pivot into a full service distributor. Today, our partner is Navis. We've been very happy with Navis, very impressed with those guys. Um, we could we could look at a, a more full service type of offering. But the challenge becomes, is there the margin for a full service Southern Wine and Spirits type of distributor in cannabis? Gray Goose works off a 70% margin, Right. Cannabis brands are working off 25%. So you got to be able to solve a solution, give them the best solution, but play within the margin world. So wow. um, that is 
pedal fast and our offering um you know some of our other brands that we represent other than space coyote wana uh, wana is a is a, a tremendous brand um nancy whiteman is like People call her the Martha Stewart, but but she's just like <laughs> the smartest chick I've ever met in my life. Um, everybody on my team is like, you don't get afraid to get on any calls. I don't care who you're with. But like, if I got to get on call with Nancy Whiteman, I'm like, oh man, this is, I better be on my game right now. I've heard you call her the queen of cannabis before. She is, she is, <laughs> she is one of the best I've ever seen. Um, and, and the fact that she's been able to do this without ever raising outside capital is insane to me. Right. Like, how do you even do that? Um, I'm just not smart enough to make that happen. Yeah. I have a, a, a guy. I have several questions here. Um, first, for me, between who you work with, I guess your own personal experience in California, what's the fastest growing product? And then why is it cannabis beverages? Product, no, or, <laughs> product or categories? Product category is what I meant to say. Thank you. Um, Beverage is obviously growing fast. We can talk about that. I'd like to go in depth on that. I have a spirits background. We have a lot of spirits investors, um, but it's a <laughs> it, it's it's a category that takes a lot of work. And and retail is is not set up for for beverages. Beverages is about floor stacks. The beverage is about cold boxes. Um, and and when you look at and you come from a CPG background, you're thinking. Um, you know, how do I optimize those two specific pieces? And um, you don't have really either one of those. So it's it's a challenge to to do it. And there's only a few number of, of, of SKUs that are going to make it into a store. So while there's 40 or 50 or 60, geez, 100 beverages that are, are coming to us, um, I always caution them like, you know, there's only four of you that are going to get into this store. Why are you so different? You know, I love watermelon lavender, but like how many watermelon lavender freaking products can we have? <laughs> Number two, I believe that can is the best friend to this entire industry, right? Mm -hmm. um, can is bringing in more uh, moms or, um, yeah. so, you know, everybody wants that soccer mom consumer. Can is bringing in more of them than anybody and they're spending the dollars to do it. So I think can is the beverage category's best friend. Um, and, and, and just, um, the category as a whole, cause they're bringing in new consumers. They stand for something unbelievable. Um, and, and they don't deviate from that mission. So I, I see that can is turning into more of a mission than it is a product. And, it, and it's great to see, um, other than that, the pre-roll category is insane. Mm -hmm. um, I like to take a lot of credit for what Space Coyote has done, but I think we also have a lot of uh, tailwinds with that category. Um, yeah. It's really interesting to talk to my friends back in Philadelphia that are like, infused pre-rolls? What is infused pre-rolls? And when you, date, when you break down the pre-roll category as a whole, you're seeing that infused pre-rolls are becoming 50% of the entire category, right? And you can't even get an infused pre-roll in Illinois. When I was talking to GTI last, they were like, Man, we got to get on these trends, but does the consumer in Illinois and and in in Pennsylvania and New York do they even want that or know about that? I'm very interested to see how long does it take for that trend of like a, a infused pre-roll to travel across the country do you um, think and be the staple. Do you think it will like the California consumer is is a little bit more um, you know, used to to high potency right and the rest of the world like i'm fine with, like the, the way weed is right now is strong enough like same for for my mother or anyone right like the, the pre-roll is supposed to provide that ease of access right 
So do, yeah, do I mean, I, I love investing in anything that I, I like investing in anything that makes the con, the consumer lazier, right? We all enjoy things that make us lazier. Yeah. Same, some say it's yeah. convenience. I call it laziness. It, yeah. Um, I don't have to roll a joint. Like, cool. Count me in. Love that all day long. Um, I think, and I'll go back to beverages for a second, and you can use this analogy for all the different categories. Um, California has a legacy and a culture that no other state has. Okay, if we're going to get together, there's going to be you're going to be on a deck and we are going to smoke a joint. Right. If I brought out like a, a six pack of can like we it would be kind of like almost bizarre. Right. Because like we're going to go smoke a joint. That's just how it is in Philly and in Florida and in Massachusetts. That culture is not there. So when you bring that um, when you bring that six pack or 12 pack or whatever it may be of cans, right? I think it's like, wow, I'm just happy to consume cannabis. Whereas in California, it's like, dude, where's the flower? You know what I mean? So um, I'm, I'm very interested to see that category. I think it'll do better on the East Coast and then the West Coast. And then it will, it will you know, over time be a massive category. Um, and, and pre-rolls, I think it will get there, but it's like a stepping stone and, and it'll probably take a lot of time. I kind of want to wrap up with your with a choice here for you uh, between questions. You can answer both. You can answer one. Um, oh boy. First question uh, is if there's one brand out there you could work with, uh, we probably wouldn't know it. First off, who would it be? And the second question, you can choose between these. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. I just forgot the second question. Oh, no. Second question is, <laughs> is there a product category that maybe – isn't getting the attention it deserves. Yes. Um, okay. Number one for me in in brand building is Pure Beauty. I think Pure Beauty is doing an amazing job of brand yeah. building and capturing a consumer. Um, we don't work with them, but I, I've been astounded by what they've been able to do and the, and the way that they're gaining market share, the way that their product roadmap is and how they've evolved from a mini pre-roll into flower. Um, I think that they've done a tremendous job of building that brand. And, and when you look at brands and you look at multiples that brands get and, and people read about Casamigos and like how all these massive brands get these huge multiples, it's not about size. It's about healthiness. And I think Pure Beauty is one of the healthiest brands um, there is in the entire space. And, and when we compete against them in California, um, you know, I'm almost jealous because they've created like, you know, just a, such a great thing. Um Number two is um, what category? I believe in solventless concentrates. I think that rosin, I think that scaling solventless, mm -hmm. I think that how, and this is coming from a guy that sold a butane company as my first business that I sold in <laughs> cannabis, right? So like the like, yeah, I, I like sold the, the gases. Um, I, I believe strongly in solventless. I think it resonates with just a lot of the trends in natural foods and everything being coming cleaner and cleaner. I don't think there's the infrastructure that was necessarily built um, to scale that product. But um, when you talk about rosin and the flavor and the full spectrum and the effect, um, I think people will pay for that as a premium product. And I think you'll see prices come down on those products as, as infrastructure is built. So um, I'm very bullish on building a great solventless portfolio. Um, and that's one of our, when you talk about category management, um, one of our initiatives is, is to, in 2022, is to, to build out that side of the business. 
Beautiful. Yep. Jason, fantastic answers, man. Uh, we got to get you back on soon because I want to go a little bit further into the future of Pedal Fast next interview. Uh, I don't think we got enough to that today. So we'd love to have you back on, Jason, but I appreciate your time, man. All right, guys. I'll talk to you all later. Thanks, Jason. See you soon, my friend. Uh, right, awesome discussion. Really, really, really fun. He got me dead on on, on rosin too. Um, <laughs> and, and a lot of people like on, 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 you know, on occasion, I'm not a concentrates guy, honestly. But if I had to pick one, I go for rosin just because the way you make rosin, for those who don't know, you just get like a bunch of actual weed and press it. And that's about mm-hmm. it. Right. So you get the entire plant. It tastes, you know, there's no solvents, as you say. Uh, um, so, I mean, it's it's an interesting category that that many people do not really appreciate as much. And, and when I've expressed my preference for rosin. No, why? Pack, I don't. Say, oh, no, I don't it's appreciate not, it not a concentrate. It's like it's it's a fantastic thing. Yeah, I, I've never partaken. Partook? Partaken? Partaken. Partaken. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody. Tell me how to say that. Uh, but honestly, what a cool company Jason has made. Mm-hmm. Like, what a cool company. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in seeing where they go. And honestly, I really am disappointed that we didn't have time, uh, which is because we have another great interview coming up. Uh, but I want to hear about how he broadens the depth of relationships with his companies in the future. Uh, as they get more popular, as yeah. they get better. And I, I want to hear his strategy on that. Obviously, he's not going to give us the, the key to the <laughs> kingdom, but... Um, you know, I'd like to go further into that. Anyways, Javi, conversation for a different day. Let's keep moving. I'm very excited for this. Up next, we have Margot Mikolev, founder and CEO of Gabby Inc. You can find Gabby on the CSC ticker G-A-B-Y, Gabby, or on the OTC G-A-B-L-F. Hey, Margot, how are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you guys? You know, turning and burning. Well, I, I made up a phrase, pedal to the grindstone. Uh, I'm really pushing that, but I don't think it's catching on. I think I'm failing. Well, I know how it feels, though. I can only imagine it. <laughs> Amen. But Margo, welcome. We're super happy Thank to have you. you. I know this has been a long time coming, um, you know, getting you on here. So please, let's turn it over to you. I'd love to hear about your journey to cannabis and maybe a little bit about Gabby. Sure. So I, I got into the cannabis business um, because of my sister. Uh, she was my best friend and my business partner. And we were working in a food business that we had founded. And she got diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And she was given four months to live. And being the way we are, we just refused to accept that. And she quite uh, openly said to the doctors, I accept your, your diagnosis, but not your prognosis. So we set about a journey to find ways to keep her alive because the medical profession had given up on her. And we did a lot of things. You know, she was, it was a whole body thing, spirituality, emotional, social. And we also tried cannabis. And she was a, 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 an avid consumer of cannabis. I was not so much. And she ended up living for five years and she had really great quality of life. So when she passed away, I decided that I was going to build a cannabis company in her honor. Her name was Gabriella, so the company's named Gabby after her. So we, my background is in, I've basically done a lot of consolidations and turnarounds in the mainstream. I've started with a telecom company. I did radio broadcasting. I did a couple of franchise brands and I've done a couple of other things in between. And so it, when I joined the cannabis space, my first inclination was to go with brands and develop brands and get them to market because I just come from the food business. Mm -hmm. So um, we bought a distribution license and uh, started developing brands and we self-distributed 
and got our products into about 100 to 200 different dispensaries. But what we kept seeing was, and this is no, no disrespect to the existing dispensaries, but a lot of them didn't really know how to operate retail. I mean, retail is a unique uh, vertical and you can't just put up a shingle and think that you can sell things because it's just not that easy. And we saw a lot of these brands or these retailers struggle and it also struck us that we're really not going to expand the industry until we are able to properly invite the mainstream consumer to come in and shop. And a lot of these dispensaries are still very old school, still really catered to that traditional consumer and are not inviting to that mainstream consumer. So we just figured out, you know, we've got all the elements, we've got brands, we've got uh, distribution and manufacturing. The only thing that's missing besides cultivation, which we don't want to get into because we're not farmers, was retail. And because I've done so many consolidations in the retail space, it made sense for us to move into that space. And the opportunity for consolidation in California is significant, not just because there's a need for it in terms of um, you know, bringing in that mainstream consumer while still catering to the traditional consumer, but also because there's there are so many um, dispensaries that are owned by individual owners who don't know how to scale and who just won't get the benefit of of scale unless they join forces with somebody else or sell to somebody else. So the first dispensary we acquired was the Mankind Dispensary in San Diego. And it's a great dispensary. It's probably the second or third yeah. um, busiest dispensary in California. They have a really unique uh, model, which is a self-serve model, which is more mainstream than, than the, the traditional style. And it, it's, they really cater to a whole spectrum of, of consumer. If you walk into the store at any given time, you'll see, you know, in the uh, over 65 crowd, you'll see the under, you know, 25 crowd, you'll see um, the hip uh, folks and you'll see the square ones. That'll be me in that category. And, uh, you know, it, it, the, the self-serve model really allows people to just to mingle with the products, really get to know the products, touch and feel the products. And then we have our staff that is very knowledgeable in what we sell and they help to describe or explain products. A lot of people still come in wanting a particular effect and, you know, we can steer them to what they're looking for and then leave them to figure out on their own or stand by them and help them, you know, as, as they need help. But it's a different model than the, the model where you stand in line, put your order at the front. Because if you're a mainstream consumer and you don't know what you want to order, you look behind you and there's a long line of people, you're not going to really take your time to get to know the products. So that's the mankind model. We really you know, subscribe to that same model. And so that's the foundation of our consolidation strategy. We're now- that's, Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, hey, I want to point out, Mankind Dispensary is uh, a brethren to Benzinga on the Inc. 5000 list. I was going to say the same thing. Yes, yeah. you're right. You're yeah. right. I, I forgot to mention that. So we, uh, we, we're we sitting there right there with them. And, and Matteo, uh, I think, uh, who is at Revolutionary Clinics, a lot of solid yep. cannabis names. And Gabby uh, is obviously among those solid names. But you all have been uh, trending very nicely recently, but maybe not getting the recognition you deserve in this space. Uh, and I kind of want to break that down a little bit, if you don't mind, Javi, uh, you know, and uh, if you don't mind, Javi, <laughs> but anyways, uh, I want to talk, talk on the brands that you guys work with, the product categories and your specific direction uh, in terms of uh, who you target there. 
So in, in terms of the brands, we, we have a lot of flower products and, you know, flower is still the number one selling brand in our dispensary. And I think in California as a whole, um, our, we have a spectrum of flower products. So from the lower end to the very premium products, we've recently put out our own proprietary brands, which would be lower end to sort of mid tier. And we're working on a premium um, brand. And um, we've also got an edibles line that we've put out that's very premium, very high end. So, you know, we really cater to, you know, all sorts of consumers. The, the flower category is, is the largest, followed by the vape, followed by, I would say, pre-rolls or concentrates, maybe concentrates and then pre-rolls. So we still have, you know, that more traditional consumer, the very California experienced consumer that, that really likes the the flower brands and, and likes to smoke and, you know, as opposed to the more, I, I guess, mainstream, if you want to call it that consumer that would probably, you know, move towards the edibles more so or tinctures. Those are, are, are much slower moving products for us. Probably for the industry as well. Uh, would you echo the kind of culture that Jason, our previous uh, interviewee uh, was saying with California, you know, nobody pulls out a six pack of can, but they do, roll mm -hmm. up a joint, you know, or have a pre-roll on their deck. Yeah, totally. You know, THC concentrate is still the number one feature that people look at in order to make a buying decision. And that's, that's going to change. It's going to change as we bring in, you know, that mainstream, less experienced consumer. And I think I also heard Jason say, or, or maybe it was one of you two say, you know, that when you smoke something, you don't want to get knocked out. That's me. You know, I'm, I want low THC, you know, high mm -hmm. other cannabinoids, really something balanced, something smooth that'll relax me, but not, you know, knock me out. And I'm a new to the consumer, you know, to the uh, cannabis market. I've only started consuming since I've got in the business. So I'm not that diehard consumer um, like some of the others that, that uh, may have grown up in the industry. And I think there's going to be in the end, there'll be more people like me than there are like that traditional diehard consumer because just the numbers are going to speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. I, I got kind of a personal question for you, right? I see your bar right behind you. Uh, and it's <laughs> stocked. Um, I love that. Uh, have you found in cannabis beverages a replacement for, for alcohol sometimes? And as a follow-up, have you considered your own kind of, of cannabis beverage out of Gabby as an alcohol replacement, right? B because there's I feel like there's two kind of categories, right? Like can is, you know, we're talking about can, it's more of like a social tonic, something that feels like, you know, for the day. And then there's brands like Saka, right? And it feels just like wine. And, you know, I, for, for the people who are consuming alcoholic beverages and want an option, you know, something that resembles alcohol kind of brings back that, that sensation or, or really, you know, satisfies the cravings. So I don't, I don't know, just a very elaborate thought here, but. No, it's, it's, it's a really interesting, you know, point. Um, I don't think the industry is really there yet. And I think Jason maybe commented on this earlier where, you know, there's no, there's not enough predictability with the product, right? You know, we know that the different cannabinoids, different terpenes, you know, the, the level of concentration of the THC, all of those things impact the effect that the product has. Also the enjoyment of the product, how it tastes, how it smells, how it smokes. And yet every product, even the same brands can have different reactions and different results from harvest to harvest, right? Or even sometimes from package to package. We just haven't got that consistency yet. So, you know, when, when I drink something and it's mainly bourbon, 
Um, you know, I know how much it takes. Yes. Sorry, <laughs> Kentucky in here. I'm with you. I'm in the single, yeah, oh, yeah. single malt team, so. Oh, I'm no, no. Yeah, <laughs> it's for me. I like the sweet corn mash. <laughs> but anyways, I know how much bourbon I can drink and, and how I'm going to feel, not just at that moment, but the next day. I still don't get it with cannabis. I still don't really understand. I always say that, you know, cannabis consumers are in their teenage years of consumption. Do you remember when you were a teenager and you just experimented, you had to figure out what your tolerance level was and how much mm -hmm. chocolate liqueur you could drink versus how much beer you could drink versus how much vodka you could drink, mm -hmm. you know, so you, and we're still figuring that out. And, you know, the complication that we've got is that the, the agricultural product is is varies, you know, from season to season, from harvest to harvest, you know, oftentimes just the way it's handled, you know, after harvest. So I don't think that we can actually rely on you know, cannabis as a an alcohol replacement right now. I think that will come. I think the other thing, too, is that, you know, it, it doesn't take as much as much time to get high when you're when you're consuming cannabis as it does to get high when you're drinking alcohol so if you're having a glass of wine you know you, you can probably have another five or six before you really start feeling like i've got to stop now you could have you know just a, a few you know smokes of a of a joint and uh, and then you're 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 done you're done for the yeah. evening you're just going to go to sleep on the couch right so it's not as social an experience, right, as as alcohol is. I prefer cannabis, and you know, in terms of the effect, I prefer to have people calm as opposed to really hyper. Uh, but I can't see it as a, a replacement just yet. And then to your other question, you know, we have not thought about going into the beverage space. It's a complicated space. It's only now really finding its path. It's been on the verge of, of taking off for a number of years and it's now finally getting recognition. Um, so we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd like to transition if you all don't mind uh, to kind of the future and direction of where Gabby's going. Uh, we've touched on kind of how you all came to be, what you're doing right now. Let's touch on the markets you're looking at. If you're planning on expanding anything like that, that you can uh, throw our audience in terms of what we can expect from Gabby uh, to kind of compete on this ever-expanding level of this industry? Sure. So we are looking to expand, and primarily the area we're looking to expand into is uh, retail consolidation. As I said at the beginning, there's 650 or so brick-and-mortar retail locations. Many of them are single-owned and don't have the capacity to expand or to scale. And I, I think we've got to get ready for the future. You know, we need to have a, a, a brand that is consistent from location to location, that knows how to run retail, that can invite that traditional consumer as well as that mainstream consumer. And we think we're the ones to, to do that. We are strictly focused in California. We're interested in retail in California. There is nobody that we are aware of that is consolidating retail and is exclusive to California. The MSOs have played in California, but they haven't really gotten you know deep in California. Jushi is the biggest um, at five, uh, locations. Um, we're in, in negotiations with a number of dispensaries and we'll top five, you know, probably within the next 12 months. So um, our, our focus is retail consolidation in California. And then second of, would be brands. You know, we, we've got a, our, we can put our brands on our own shelf space. We launched Kind Republic in January. We've already sold $1.2 million worth of that product, just selling it through our own dispensary. We're going to hit $2 million before the year is out. And that's just one of our brands. 
So there is opportunity to develop additional brands and, and sell them through our own dispensaries. And as we grow the footprint, the retail footprint will have an even greater opportunity to sell our proprietary brands in those uh, proprietary uh, retail stores. Where are your retail locations located? Is there, are they in like LA or maybe like medium size or smaller communities throughout California? So right now we're just in San Diego, uh, but, but we're focused on SoCal, you know, we're, we're, We've got a number of locations in the pipeline that we're negotiating with in SoCal. And, you know, I came from the franchising world. I, I was involved in two different franchise plays. And it, it, I learned that um, a smaller geography is easier to manage than a larger geography. And the more, the bigger you get, the harder it is to remain consistent. But at least if you are close to each other, you can actually access, um, you know, the different locations and, um Sorry, I lost my train of thought. And, you know, spread your capital more effectively. Talking about capital a little bit, right? Um, less than 30% of, of C-suite positions in cannabis are, are held by women, which to me signals that even fewer businesses are owned and or run by women, right? Uh, and those, especially for, for publicly traded cannabis companies, uh, unfortunately, and I've heard, you know, horror story after horror story about how much harder it is to raise money for a cannabis business or a business in general, for, for that matter, uh, being a, a women-led business. Have you experienced this? Have you not experienced this? Have you leveraged it in some in some way? And, and was it part of your decision, of, you know, to go public, right, to maybe circumvent some of these prejudices that we, we see in, in the investment world? We went public because at the time that we were raising capital, the public valuations were more um, generous than the private valuations. And there was just more of an appetite for investors to invest in the public market. Um, it's funny, you know, I, I'm, I've never been one to um, to raise these, the, the gender issue, but I have to say um, it, it does seem to me like it, it is harder in cannabis for women. And I've been in real estate, I've been in tech, I've been in, in food service, I've been in food manufacturing, I've been in radio broadcasting, and they're all challenging. And, you know, it's hard to raise capital overall, but I've never really noticed that it's, that there was a, a gender issue. I feel like there is much more so in cannabis, and I don't really understand why. But you're right, there's not a lot of women-led companies, there's not a lot of women-led funds. And I see a lot of money being invested in, in male-run businesses by male-run hedge funds and private equity groups and, you know, venture funds. So, you know, I, I think it's it, that there needs to be an awakening and a realization that women bring a different um, perspective to the industry and one that is really necessary because, you know, that, that soccer mom that everybody's been waiting for is, is, gonna, is a very different consumer than the traditional you know, hard driving 22 year old, you know, young man. And so you've got to have people in the business that speak their language. I could not have said that better. And something that we've had a lot of people on this show touch on, but it, honestly, the trend is not encouraging right now. Um, yeah, so hopefully we can see that change. That's why yeah. I always bring it up. I know it's not a fun topic of conversation, right? No one is like, all happy, you know, when, when discussing these topics, but you know, the fact that, that this is happening means that we need to be discussing it at least to, 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 to raise awareness. Right. And that's the first step toward understanding how we can solve this. 
Won't investors yeah. care? Yeah. Sorry, Margaret. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, not at all. No, I agree. I think it, it is something that we have to talk about. The other thing I'd like to talk about is, uh, I, I believe you you mentioned it earlier, uh, maybe Javier did, um, that we're not we're not known, we're not getting the recognition that we deserve. And, you know, we've been growing quite aggressively and quite rapidly. We're doing everything right. You know, we're profitable. And yet our shares trade at a fraction of what our peers trade at. We mm -hmm. traded at one point three times or so um, uh, enterprise value to sales and our peers traded over three, 3.3 or 3.6 times. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of room for, for opportunity for us to grow and to get known. And one of the things I'm actually doing now is I, I'm making more of an effort on the investor relations front. We just hired a new president and we hired a new CFO. So that's taken some pressure off of me on day to day. So I can go out there and tell our story and, and, help people find us because, you know, it's a great story. And I think we don't get the recognition that we deserve. I would agree. Uh, we have a question from Cesar uh, before we wrap up here. Margo, what, which is your percentage of e-commerce delivery in the total sales? Right now, e-commerce uh, delivery is about 12% of our total sales. Now, and that's an interesting uh, question because it's a big opportunity for us. Right now, we have not kept uh, long hours. We, we often close it before six, and we've not really focused on, um, on delivery. You know, we pivoted into delivery when COVID hit because we wanted to have an, an avenue for our consumers, our shoppers to, to shop in if they weren't going to be able to come into the store. And so we, we didn't really build our e-commerce platform from a sales perspective. It was more from an operations perspective. So, you know, if you knew what you were looking for and you knew uh, how to find us, you'd go on site, you'd order your product, we would deliver it efficiently and effectively. But it wasn't an e it's not an e-commerce site in the same way that you look at an Amazon or even a Domino's, you know, platform where it gives you choices and helps you filter through opportunities, helps you uh, explore and, you know, find things. You, you have to know what you're doing. So one of the, the big uh, projects that we've undertaken is to revamp our e-commerce platform. And to, um, we've got a, a goal of growing our, our delivery service by 30% by March 31st. Great. I love that, Margo. Uh, this has been super insightful. I've learned a ton about Gabby. Uh, I'm very excited for you know keeping track of you all and seeing where you all end up. Uh, where can our investors find you? Could, do you have a, an investor relations email or website that they can check more out? Yeah, if you want to reach out directly, ir at gabbyinc.com is a way to reach us directly. Uh, we do have a website. It's, you know, gabbyinc.com. And, um, you know, we've got social media as well, which I'm not very good at what the <laughs> handles are. <laughs> I'm showing my age. Uh, but you can find us out there. Perfect. It has been a pleasure having you, Margo. Thank you so much for telling uh, Gabby's story. Uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's always touching to me to hear about real stories that cannabis has been um a, not a cure for, but has, has helped create quality of life. Uh, and I appreciate you sharing that with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks again, Margo. We'll see you soon. Javier, you got a little smize going on, man. What's up? Fantastic. I love this show. I love it. <laughs> Anybody else see that smize from Javi? Like, the... What is the smize? <laughs> what does it's like, it mean? Uh, I don't know. Where did it come from? It was like Rapunzel or something like that. Um, regardless not important not why we're here to talk about disney movies um but honestly gabby 
I, I'm going to be honest, more impressive than I, I like initially thought. I did not give them enough credit in terms of my research specifically, uh, not pre the show, but just in general. Uh, and I, I'm really glad we got her on. That was a great interview. Um, anyway, that was a fun show, Javi. Any last words you want to say? Uh, any last thoughts for the community really. of Zingers? Very happy. Just go check out benzinger.com slash cannabis every day. Go check it out now. We have all the news we didn't get, get, you know, have time to, to get to. Uh, very interesting stuff out of, of several companies, you know, mm -hmm. from, from Leafly to, oh, we had an amazing exclusive with Wonder Bread, which is, is, is you know, uh, reaching Michigan, by the way, off the record. It's Justin Bieber's favorite cannabis brand. I don't know if it means anything to you, but he does get his cannabis from California, as he says in his songs. And now that cannabis is reaching Michigan. So I go find it. from California. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Oh, I know that song. He comes on my shuffle every other song. Um, that, that's, that's, that's something about your musical taste. No, dude, I, I listen to everything, but then I'll put it on shuffle. Like uh, it'll go from like chill music to Friday feelings to like party to workout vibe. And then every like apparently that song is in all of those categories. So, you know, enjoy that for what it's worth. Anyways, guys, Saturday boot camp. Uh, be there or be square. It is all day. Uh, I'm super excited about it. We have wonderful educators. I think Neil, the wonderful Neil Hamilton is leading that. Uh, so tons of education to be had. Some killer educators, uh, ones that we haven't had before. Uh, join in. Outside of that, y'all, we'll, we will see you next week. Electric Vehicles Conference, I believe, is in two weeks. So look for that as well. Javier, uh, I'll throw it to you, man. But I think we have a video as well. Yeah, man. That's it. Just... Check out the event. Let's do it. All right, Aaron, roll the tape. Home. They say it's where the heart is. They also say it's wherever you make it. They don't say it's where you unload your stuff, get tired halfway through unpacking, use some boxes as furniture, realize your oven mitts in a box that doubles as a nightstand, don't want to buy a new nightstand, and use a towel as an oven mitt instead. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on renters and car insurance. Easier than grabbing a piping hot pan with a towel that's a bit too thin and trying to quickly get it to the counter. Ooh, hot, 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 hot. Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen. Real results. Real care. Real about recovery.